Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting you guys are looking down at me, but I'm getting all these suggestions like Jed was trying to start a cheer. My wife said we should do the wave. The kids were saying, you know, you should have one of those um, those t-shirt shooters. And they go, no, communion shooter. Shoot the communion up to everybody. None of these things are going to happen. But it is interesting, y'all, together like that. It's pretty enough to take a picture, y'all. Well, we're going to be in Romans. We're going to launch off from there because, like I promised you, I, I want to talk about conscience. Your conscience. But we'll start off by reading again in the passage in Romans chapter 2. And if you have your Bibles there. All right. Romans chapter 2. Starting at verse 11. For there is no partiality with God. For as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these also, although not having the law, are a law to themselves. Who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We just thank you again that we have a place to gather. We thank you for the freedom to worship you. We also thank you for the truths of your word, Lord. I pray that each of us would also rejoice in these truths. Be able to listen and to apply these truths. And that your spirit would empower and resonate these truths in our hearts. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Conscience. The title of this message is Having and Maintaining a Clean Conscience. Conscience is the soul. The soul is distinguished between what is morally good and bad. And here we see that is innate. It means that you're born with one. But the word, the root word means to see, to know together with others. We all have one. It is not a product of environment, training, habit, or education, though it, though it can be influenced by all of them. It urges man to do what he regards as right and can restrain him from doing what regards as wrong. But for most, it's a voice, it's loudest, is after we've done that which is wrong. And what it does is it creates a condemnation, an inward shame, a guilt, a distress, and or remorse. Conscience can be defiled. In Titus 1, chapter 1, verses 14, it says, Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth to the pure of all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. 
They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, disqualified for every good work, to lay that down, to make it more sense to us, defiled means, polluted or contaminated. How is it? It's when one teaches man's wisdom or knowledge above, equal, or against God's truth. Now, understanding that, the defilement can be progressive. See, when we listen to the things of the world, when we listen to our own conscience as believers, what can happen is, is when we reject God's truth above man's, it muddles our understanding. See, as believers, believe this or not, we should all live with a pure conscience. But, sadly to say, the majority of us don't. Because it's hard. It's hard not to be contaminated in this world. But, as world speaking, as you listen to the world's teaching, and that's what we're seeing in the church even, is that they're embracing the world's philosophy and understanding, and what it's doing is defiling their conscience till it can become, if you will, seared with a hot iron. And that we pick up, if you will, in 1 Timothy 4. It says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience sealed with a hot iron. See, the beauty of it all is, is the truth is that God has something for all of us. Something that goes deep down inside if we're all willing to hear. It's not based on how you feel. It's based on how we feel. Let's face it. A lot of times we don't feel like doing a lot of things, right? Sometimes we just don't feel like hearing the truth. Because we know better about ourselves. We know how to condemn ourselves. We know how to judge ourselves. We know how to be hard on ourselves. But see, we're seeing this in the world where this used to be, I can say this, Judea Christian country. It's not anymore. It used to have moral foundings. And those moral foundings are being eroded. And now new moral foundings are being erected, but they're very feeble. And so what that creates is muddiness. Suicide's up. I don't need to go on all statistics. Slow down, Luke. That, you know, again, reveal this truth. The hardness that hearts are becoming because they have no hope. And they're becoming a moral reality to to themselves rather than understanding that there is a moral God that has put upon all our hearts what is right, what is wrong. Now, how do we have a clean conscience? We kind of went over this before, but quickly. We read in Hebrews How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your consciousness from dead works to serve the living God? You've all been sprinkled. You're pure. You're holy before God. You are sanctified. See, the thing that we have to understand is that though it can become callous in the world, our heart becomes softer. Not to condemn us, but to receive. Receive God's truth in our lives. We don't do these things to get clean. 
we obey because we are clean. We're free. Just like the songs we were singing. We're free. It's beautiful to hear the church sing together. But to receive it in your hearts, you're free. You're free now more than you have ever been. You're not going to be free more tomorrow. You're not going to be free less tomorrow. You're free. Now, it's up to each of us to learn and grow what that freedom means in all of our lives. Not to be condemned, but to maintain a clean conscience, if you will. Now, again, to understand how people go to air in Second Timothy, it says, But know this, and the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient parents, unthankful, unholy, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, from such people turn away. But, how many of us, to deny God's power, to cleanse us? See, too many of us judge ourselves. We don't allow what God has done and declared to sink down and just saturate our hearts. Just like, the song talking about mercy and and our sins being washed clean. Those are truths. Now, the important thing is that each of us understands that God is faithful. And again, remember we went into Hebrews chapter 10. It says, let us draw near with a true heart, a full assurance of faith. Faith in who? God, not you, not me, and God. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. God declares it. I know that's hard for some of us to accept, but God looks at you. Remember we came with that illustration? He picks up your face, looks right at it, and says, You are clean. Stop saying to yourself what I've declared clean to not be clean. You are clean. Now live that way. You're free. See the difference? Oh, if this could all just kind of sink into all of us, that it can wash all of us into our own freedom, not being condemned. God is faithful. So quickly now, how do we maintain a clean conscience? Well, if you have your Bible, flip over with me. And really, we could have gone to a lot of different places. But this is a good start. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at six things here in three verses to help us keep our conscience clean, uncontaminated, not defiled. Look at verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Stop. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That word rule means to control. It means to be an umpire. To decide that God's peace permeate into your hearts. Maintain that peace. So in everything that I do, do I have peace in what I'm about ready to do? Do I understand that peace has been given to me? Not as the world gives. God has given to us. And Isaiah 26, 3 says, you keep him in perfect, you keep, who keeps him? God keeps him. God 
keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust that God has declared that there's now peace with God. That you have peace with God and really, if you will, that should be what brings peace to our whole being. Rest. Be at ease. Be at peace. Paul will go on in Romans 9 and say this, I tell you the truth in Christ, I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. God in you. Now, a simple way to tell what is of the enemy and what is of God, God always, remember this, God always brings a conviction to repentance to turn back to Him. So that you can rest in His peace. Rest in His work. Because we're going to sin. That's going to be, we'll talk about that in a minute too. But the reality is, it's always forgiving. Because He already sees us perfect. Sanctified. Oh, the work's going on, but He sees us already complete. The vision of a builder. He sees the work already complete. That's how He does step by step. He always sees the end result in his mind. Well, we're, our end result is done because God's declared it. It's done. He sees you in Christ. He sees you complete in Christ. And all he wants us to do, remember to keep coming back to him. If we don't have that peace, don't do it. If you don't have that peace, then confess what it is that you've done. Go back and rest in that peace. Don't let the enemy say this, because the enemy will go two ways. One, he says, you know, good. You never had it. What are you doing? I can't believe it. Come on, he's rejected you. Or he'll go to the other side. Oh, come on. You know you have the peace of God. You can do whatever you want. No, both of them are wrong. But let the peace of God rule my heart. Now, notice again, 15, still. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. That word called means by name or to bear a name or title in one body, the body of Christ. What's the message here for all of us to remember? I belong to Jesus Christ. I am His. Not Based on my feeling, I belong to God through Christ. You're His. Accept it. It's not about your performance. It's not about how you feel. It's just the truth of the matter that you were called by name into His body and you are His. Accept it. Embrace it. And be thankful. Romans 5.1, Paul says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Titus, it says this, 2.14, Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed, and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. 
breathe. I belong to Jesus Christ. I am His. He said it. I accept it. I believe it. I belong to Jesus Christ. Look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That word richly means abundantly. That word dwell means be at home. Metaphorically, it means to dwell in one and influence him. What is this saying then? In all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Basically, it's just simply this. Saturate your heart and mind in the word of Christ. Let it affect every aspect of your life. Do not ever stop reading it, absorbing it, listening to it, being taught through it. Why? Because these truths, just like we're talking right now, see, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, is that you're hearing something. You're hearing you are not condemned. You're hearing that Christ loves you, that you're his, you're precious to him. You're hearing that Christ wants to do a work not only in you, but through you. This is what he's saying through his word. And when we neglect the word, when we listen to the world, we watch TV, we watch Dr. Phil, we listen to what Oprah's saying, we listen to all these other voices, they're telling us lies. Well, not all lies. Be discerning. You've got to back up on that. But if anything goes against or makes it equal or above the word of God, then it's to be rejected. It's not true. I don't have to live in the past. God's not living back there. Not in my life. He's cleansed me from all my sin. He remembers them not anymore. I'm the one that remembers them. Or is it just me? Or is the enemy throwing those fiery darts? Remember this? Remember when you said that? Remember when you did that? Can't believe it. And then you feel that condemnation. That's not of God. Now, again, we'll get into sin, but past history, things that have happened so long ago, there's nothing you can do about it. It's gone. It's washed. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for sticking that sucker in that guy's hair when I was 10 years old. I shouldn't have done it. Or the time I put the top in the guy's head and the hair went and got stuck and we had to cut it off. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry. What are you doing? That's been washed. That's been cleaned. Whatever it is. You're new. You're clean. So it's important that we saturate our hearts and mind in God's Word. That we're a student. That we're a teacher. That we're a sharer. That we're a singer. That we're a doer of God's Word. Again, picking it up, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Oh, I know you know what that great word grace means, don't you? But you know what it really can come down to too? It's not un- only unmerited favor, but listen, because he's telling us to sing with grace. That word also means this, that which affords joy, pleasure, delight. What he's saying is rejoice in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Sing to the Lord. 
In Psalm 35.9, it says, My soul shall be joyful to the Lord. Shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in His salvation. What He's done, He saved me. I will rejoice in that. In Isaiah 61.10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments. And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. It's not rejoice. When we worship God, it's not based on how you feel. You feel condemned. If you confessed it, let it go. God's already forgiven you. Rejoice in God. Sing because of salvation. Sing because He's called you by name. Sing because He wants you to understand the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you know that's why so many of us are anemic, anemic and weak? Is because we don't accept these truths. We're condemning ourselves. I can't do that. Why am I rejoicing and singing? God's got to be looking at me going, oh, this guy's singing again. I can't believe it. No. See, that's part of the joy that comes out of saying, you have done this. You are faithful. And I will sing unto the Lord with all my heart. I will rejoice in His salvation that He's given me. He's called me by name. There's a reason to be joyful. Now, don't think joy is just this Pollyanna-type feeling that just walked around. No conscience, just rejoicing in the Lord. Praise God. My finger got cut off yesterday, but I'm praising God because it was my baby pinky finger and on my left hand. I never use it anyway. It's not that. It's rejoicing because in all things, God is at work. In all things, God is working out those truths in your life, in my life, and the ultimate result is home with Him. Perfect. That's great news. You're not going to have a bad conscience in heaven. You'll be free from all that. You're going to be free from yourself. Oh, what joy. But see, here is where we're learning that. We don't have to just be focused on ourselves. Just rejoice in the fact that what God has done, what He's given to us, so we can sing with delight, we can sing with joy, we can sing with praise on our lips. For this is the day, the holy to our God. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Is that good news? Does that make you want to sing? Rejoice. Take joy and pleasure and delight in the Lord. Now look at verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I do this in His name? Now remember something. Uh, the reason we say this too is that you were called by Him and He's put your, His name on you. You're His light now. His light shining through you. You're the representative of Jesus Christ. Wherever you go. So, for a defense for all of us, we have to think, okay, is this bringing out glory to His name? 
am I, am I ready to partake of something that I could write his name on like a signed check? Like the end of a contract. Because I'm his representative. I'm his ambassador. He's given me that, really that authority to be one who lives and proclaims his name. Now, let's be honest. That's going to get all of us, right? How many times have we done things we're like, oh, Lord, that's horrible. Why did I do that? That's why it's important that if I sin, I confess it. Lord, I did wrong. I repent. Now, what about those sins that we keep falling to? Whatever it is. It's acknowledging, Lord, I'm struggling in this area. I agree with you. This is wrong. I shouldn't be yelling at those people. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be thinking those terrible thoughts towards those people. Or I, I shouldn't always go around with this, this dark, oppressive feeling and taking out on other people. I get it, Lord. I ask for your forgiveness. I need you to work through me this. I know it's displeasing to you. And because it's displeasing to you, it's displeasing to me. But I also know this, that you're at work. And I receive your forgiveness. And I'm thankful, Lord. But see, that's the very next thing he says. Look at that. Verse 16, or 17 again. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Give thanks. Give thanks. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And he's good all the time, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Give thanks. Give thanks for what God is doing in your life. Give thanks for what God is going to do. With us as Christians, we know that this isn't the end of the story. That the sin you may struggle in is not the end of you. God already knew it. God knew it when he called you by name. He said, I knew this. I knew that Luke was going to struggle in this area, but I love him. And I know it's a work in progress. He's going to make it. It's going to work out. You can rejoice in that. You can be thankful in that. Now, here we're going to the communion table. What I want to close you with, and remember this. Let me just go over these points real quick. Do I have a peace about this? I belong to Jesus Christ. I'm saturating my heart and mind with His Word. I'm taking joy and pleasure and delight in Him. Can I do this in His name? In all things I can give thanks to God. In all things. Now, understanding that we're coming to the communion table, I want us to listen and hear the Word of God. In Leviticus, you're going, Leviticus, what does that have to do with communion? Well, it has a lot to do with it. Because again, it represents something. And this is one of the representations. Leviticus chapter 16. Second, I take a sword. Now listen, 16, verse 8. 
Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord not, lot fell and offered as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement upon it and to let it go as a scapegoat into the wilderness. And verse 15 he goes on to say, Then he shall kill the goats of the sin offering, which is for the people, and bring its blood inside the veil. Do with the blood as he did with the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat before the mercy seat. So he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel, because of their transgressions, for all their sins. And so he shall do for the tabernacle meeting, which remains among them in the midst of uncleanness. Then if we drop down to verse 20. It says, And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle meeting, the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel, all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on himself all the iniquities of the uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. Okay, listen up. This is the picture. See, one goat was going to be slayed, taking the blood and go to the mercy seat to cover the sins of the children of Israel. The other goat was going to become, basically, if you will, the scapegoat. Now, all the sins that of the guilt, the shame, all the past sins, everything else, God was saying, I'm going to remember it no more like this goat. You're going to take it to the wilderness and send it off. For the one goat paid for your sins. The other goat freed you from your sins. You are free. Does this sound familiar? See, Jesus Christ took our sin upon Him as we break the bread. All our sin is upon Him. All of it. The resurrection and the blood of Jesus Christ says we're free. You're free. It's covered you. You're washed pure. You're clean. Remember it not former things. Neither consider the things of old. Behold, I've done all things new. I've done all things new. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. What's the theme here? The theme is this. You are brand new. You're forgiven of your past. God loves you with an infinite love. God wants us to understand and absorb these things. God wants us to walk as free people. Joyous people. Loving people. Not because if we do these things, we get. No, see, we've got these things. We receive these things. Now live it out. So as we tell them, come to the communion table, I want you to think about those things. As we take the, the cracker together, as it represents all the sin you have ever committed, that you did commit, that you'll ever commit, Christ has taken upon Himself. And then when we take the cup, 
understand of just the washing and the cleansing. That you're pure. That you're holy in His sight. 